Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message in our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen. In Colossians chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 16. Here we go. Paul says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to the festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize and your delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels taking his stand on visions that he has seen, inflated without cause in his fleshly mind. Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and the ligaments grows with the growth which is from God. Verse 20, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of this world, then why, as if you are living in the world, do you submit yourself to the decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to these things destined to perish with use. In accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men, these are the matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. A lot of reading, but we wanna start very simple. We're gonna start in the very first word that we read in verse 16. This is something that you hear often. When you see the word therefore, you have to ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, you see what Paul has done in the previous seven verses that we unpacked two weeks ago is that Paul is, is helping them to understand and he's, he's basically pleading with them right now, hey, do not forget what I've told you. Hold on to what I have told you. And what I have told you is the truth of who you are now in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you now who you are in Christ and don't forget it. And what he's done is he has kind of laid it all out. And just to kind of summarize what we read two weeks ago, here's who he's reminding them of they, that they are. First is that he wants them to know that they're complete in Christ. The next thing he reminds them of is remember you're buried with him. And if you remember, we spent some time talking about that. What is his is ours if we are in Christ. The next one, you were dead, but now you're alive. Then the next one, your sin has been canceled. And then lastly, he reminds them that Satan has been disarmed. And Paul says, do not forget this. This is your identity. This is who you are. This is how God is satisfied. This is how God is pleased with you. He wants them to know that that God is not satisfied because they have perfect church attendance. God is not satisfied because we have perfect church attendance. 
God is not satisfied because we have overcome sin. He's not satisfied because of our performance, but he is satisfied through the finished work of his son, Jesus Christ. That is why the, that God is satisfied is by this and this alone. And Paul is saying, don't you forget it. God being satisfied has nothing to do with how good you are. It has nothing to do with the fact that you think you have it all together. It's only by faith. He's reminding them of this because what's happening in this church in the city of Colossae is they are being enticed and they are being pulled from the truth that Paul has been sharing. They are being pulled back into the old religious ways. They are being pulled back into the old Jewish laws that they have been delivered from already. Some commentators declare this, that Paul is, this is kind of his plea as the believer, beware. Believer, beware. Don't get sucked back in. Don't get pulled back into thinking that you have the ability to earn God's love. Don't get sucked back into what you've already been delivered from. Because you see what's going on in this church right now as we read in this context is these false teachers are introducing these old Jewish laws. They're introducing a lot more, just truthfully. But now what they have begun to do is they are now criticizing and they're judging what the new believers are doing and even perhaps more so what they're not doing. So they're being very judgmental on how they're doing church. And they're being judgmental saying you're not doing church the right way. You're not following these laws. You're not following these traditions. And so therefore, they're being very judgmental on how these new believers are doing church or not doing church. And we read that there's four areas that they're being judged about. And what we read there was in the verse, very first verse, verse 16 and 17. They were being judged by what they were eating, by their dietary aspects, they were also being judged by what they were not honoring through festivals and the celebrations of the new moon. You see, what we got to see is the celebration, it was always a dedication to a false and a pagan God. That's the religious activity that they were judging them on not performing. And then also they were being judged for not honoring the Sabbath, which began on a Friday afternoon and would end on Saturday afternoon at sundown. And so here we have these false teachers who are judging how these new believers are not doing church. You're not doing it the right way. You're not following the rules. You're not following the law. And so Paul is just telling them, don't focus on what they're saying. You focus on who you are in Christ Jesus and you remember that God is satisfied by you, not by your performance, but by the shed blood of his son Jesus on the cross. That is why God is satisfied with you. Because you see, Christ fulfilled the impossible demands of the law. Christ fulfilled what you and I, Christ fulfilled what these people in Colossae could not do. Jesus did it for them. But you see, the enemy's ploy, the enemy's plan 
What he's trying to do in this church that is growing is he is trying to distract these new believers. He's trying to take their focus off of who Christ is. He's trying to take the focus off of their newfound faith in Christ. So they're using all of these laws, they're using all of this judgmental things to, to get their focus off of Jesus Christ and who Christ is. And so there's all these distractions that are coming up. There's all these laws that are being reintroduced because they want the new believers to lose focus of who they are now in Christ. But you see, we would be fools to believe that the enemy's ploy, the enemy's plans are still not the same. You see, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Satan's goal is not to get you to bow down and worship him. But if he can distract you long enough to get your eyes off the savior, then this paralyzes you as a believer. And so what the enemy does is he doesn't really care if you're worshiping him, he just doesn't want you worshiping the Lord. And so he will do anything and everything he can do to distract you. And what he's using here is these old Jewish laws to distract these new believers, to stop them from doing what God has called them to do. Now, I would hope you could agree with me that at Chestnut Mountain Church, these four things, we're not gonna be judging you based off of these four things. I'm not gonna judge you for what you eat and what you don't eat. Some of you wives and husbands, you're hitting, yeah, you ate two of those Baconators from Burger King last night. They don't even do Baconators anymore, do they? Wendy's. Wendy's, dang it. Sorry, see? Y'all stop judging. See what y'all are doing. But we're not gonna judge you off of what you eat. We're not gonna judge you because you're not celebrating the new moon. We're not gonna judge you because you're not celebrating certain festivals. And so what we have to see is since that's not happening, but what we have to recognize is that the enemy still wants to distract. He may not distract you in this way, but I want us to be slow to recognize that the enemy wants to distract us as believers to get our focus off of who Christ is and who we are in Christ. And he will do whatever he has to do to take your attention off of Jesus. You say, well, what, is, what do you mean by that? Look at what verse 17 says. I love how Paul refers to these distractions. Verse 17, he says here, he says, the things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You see, he calls all of the judgment that's taking place in the church based off the Jewish law. He's saying, look, this is just a mere shadow. A shadow is something that we're all familiar with, but I find it very interesting, the definition of shadow. It's kind of one of those words, we know what it means, but we don't ever read the definition. But listen to what the word shadow means. Shadow is this, it's shade caused by the interception of light. Shade caused by the interception of light. What we've seen all through the book of Colossians already is what Paul is doing is he is focusing every ounce of energy that he has on shining light on who Jesus Christ is. He is shining light on who Christ is and he's shining light on who these new believers are in Christ. And so what's happening is the enemy is 
putting up anything that will stop the shining of the light. He's doing anything and everything he can to cast a shadow on Jesus. He's doing anything he can to intercept the light that is being shined on the person of Jesus Christ. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what is he distracting us with? Because here's what I want you to think about a shadow. He even uses the word mere shadow. That word mere, I love how it just basically simplifies it and dumbs down the power that a shadow has. The word mere is no more than specified. And what that means is that a shadow, as you guessed it, is just a shadow. A shadow has absolutely no ability to change the impact of reality. And so when the enemy throws distractions up in the church at Colossae, when he throws distractions up in your life, when he throws distraction up in my life, what I want you to know is those shadows have no ability to change the reality of who Jesus is and who you are in Jesus. It can't change that reality. It can appear that it's changed things, but a shadow is simply just a shadow. It has no power. It has no ability to change the reality. So the enemy wants to cast these mere shadows on the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, believer, beware. Don't get distracted by the shadows. Don't lose focus of who you are in Christ. And so as I was praying on Tuesday, I was like, God, I know that we don't really have to worry about all of this Jewish law that's being discussed here, but God, for us as a New Testament church in the South, what are some things that, that we need to be made aware of? What are some shadows that the enemy can use in our life to distract us from the person of Jesus Christ? And the first one is this. Is our judgmental heart casting shadows on the Savior? Is our judgmental heart casting shadows on the Savior? And here's what I mean by that. When we show up to worship together on a Sunday morning, what are you focused on when you get here? Because truthfully, I can honestly say that for a lot of us, we've had a chaotic week. We're doing good to get here. We've yelled at our kids the whole way here. And now we get out and we skip to the door like everything is perfect. And so we're very negative when we arrive. And so because of that mindset already, because we're discouraged, we're frustrated. Now, all of a sudden, we want to begin to put people down on our level. And so this judgmental mindset that we walk in a lot of times, how many, how many times do we come into church and our focus is not on him, but our focus is on the mishaps of everybody else. We walk into church to worship with other believers and instead of being focused on him, we focused on what so-and-so is wearing. Or we focus on what so-and-so put on social media last night. Or we walk in and we're, we're focused on that the person sitting beside us doesn't quite look like we do. Or then we can get really, really spiritual and we can walk in. How many times have we walked in and you see somebody here and you're like, praise God, they're here because they need it. Just go ahead and own it. 
You've all done it. Or we walk in and we see that they walk in, you go, I can't believe they're here. I can't believe they're here. But we walk in with this mentality that we're not focused on Jesus, but we're focused on everybody else. We're focused on what everybody else is doing wrong. We're focused on what everybody else has fallen short in the eyes of. We fall, we're so focused on everything but Jesus. Hear me when I say this, the enemy is casting shadows to get you to lose focus of why you're here. Because I wanna be a part of a church that when I sit down, the person to my right or my left may not look like they come from the same place I come from. I wanna sit down beside somebody who may not smell like I smell. Maybe the person to my right or my left, they reek of alcohol. They reek of the, just the sin in their life. Can I tell you, instead of the body of believers sitting there in the seats of this church going, you know what? Ugh. I don't want them to sit. Why don't we be like Jesus Christ? And instead of sliding down, we slide just a little bit closer. And we say, you know what? I am thankful you're here today and I'm gonna love you just like Christ loves me. Quit looking at what everybody else is doing and let's get our eyes on the reason that we're here. Because I got news for you. When we go to heaven, they ain't gonna all look like you. They're not all gonna talk like you. They're not all gonna come from the same background that you come from. But there is one common denominator that we will all have is that once upon a time, we were all broken pieces rescued by a saving God who loves us enough for Jesus to rescue us. That's what we have in common. It ain't got nothing to do with what you're wearing. It ain't got anything to do with how you talk. It ain't got anything to do with where you work, but it's got everything to do with who saved you. That's what it's about. So are we coming in with a judgmental mindset? Is this the shadow that's keeping us from focusing on Christ? Or is it this? Are we walking in on a Sunday morning to be with other believers with this consumerist heart? Is the consumerist heart that we have, is it casting shadows on the person of Christ? And here's what I mean by that. It's amazing to me that when we gather together a lot of times that so many of us can turn in to these like professional critics of the church. We walk out of the doors and we leave here and all we can do is pick apart everything that happened that Sunday morning. All we can do is get back in the car and talk about that, I didn't like that song. I can't believe they introduced a new one today. Or we get back in the car and we think, man, that guy just preached way too long. I even got an amen in the first service on that one. <laughs> or with this consumeristic mindset, how often do we get in the car and we think back on our morning and we think, you know what? So-and-so didn't even speak to me. You got a mouth too. If they ain't speaking to you, you go speak to them. Just tear down the walls. Just meet them right where they're at because here's the reality. When we come here, if our focus is on Christ, we're not focused on everybody else. Guess what? When you come, you're bringing a lot of junk with you. Every person in this room, here's the truth. There may be a reason they didn't speak to you, 
Because they may have lost their job 24 hours before that and they're broken hearted because they don't know how they're gonna pay their next bill. You're the last thing on their mind. Or maybe if we would get our eyes off of ourself and quit showing up every time the doors are open saying, what can the church do for me today? What would it look like if we walked in here open-handed and said, my God, I get to worship my Savior today and it's all about him and it ain't got nothing to do with me. Everything changes when that's our heart to come here. Because what happens is when we come in and our eyes are on Jesus, we ain't worried about who's sitting beside us. We ain't worried about what baggage they have. We're not worried about what they carried in. We're focused on Jesus. And now all of a sudden, I'm sitting right beside a broken piece that's just as broken as I am. But I hadn't seen it because I'm looking at him. But all these things, the enemy will plant all of these seeds in our mind to cast shadows on who Jesus is. And that's exactly what's happening in this church at Colossae. These false teachings, all of these rules, all of these regulations, all of these laws, they're, being, they're casting shadows and they're enticing these believers to forget who they are in Christ Jesus. So then Paul goes on to continue to warn them in verse 18. He says, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on the visions that he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. Paul warns them, he says, look, don't let these false teachers defraud you. Some of your Bibles may say, don't let these false teachers disqualify you. This word disqualify comes from an athletic term that they would be referencing a referee. And basically a referee has the power and the authority if if an athlete were to break a rule or break a law or they were to step across the line, then the referee has the ability to disqualify their participation. And you see, that's what's happening in in the church at Colossae. These judgmental people think they have the ability and authority to disqualify members because they're not doing church the right way. And so Paul is saying, look, don't let them disqualify you because the reality is the ones that are judging you, their eyes aren't on Jesus. The ones who are judging you, their eyes are on everything but Jesus. And it says that their focus is they begin to turn the worship towards angels. You see, the interesting part about that is because some of the false teachings that were being taught is they thought that the angels had the ability to bless. And so what these false teachers were teaching was that they were to lift up angels so that the angels would bless them, so that they would bless their crop, so that they would bless their home. And so they're elevating the worth of angels in order to receive a blessing from them. But then it also said that they focused on their dreams and their visions And so what they were doing was they were putting more weight on what they were dreaming at night and the visions that they were having than they were salvation through the cross of Christ. And so what they're doing and what we're trying to understand here is what these false teachers were doing is they were trying to conjure up a movement in the church that was not led by the Holy Spirit of God. They were trying to conjure up something to play off people's emotions 
so that they could get a movement of God. And so they were taking the focus off of who they were in Christ and they were putting the focus on all of their own ideas and how they think church should look. And so what we have to understand is that on the outside, it looked like they were doing it all for the right reasons. On the outside, it looked like they were doing it all for the right reasons. But in reality, when you get to the root of the issue, they were doing this because they wanted to see these movements or these acts of emotionalism so that people would think that they were more spiritual than everybody else. And so what they were doing is they were ultimately self-elevating themselves. And they would go to any extent they could to conjure up some kind of movement. I read this in a commentary and, and I want you to listen to the severity of some of the stuff that they were doing. It says that they were actually using over-emotionalism through drugs. They were using drugs to deal with people, to mess with people's emotions. It says that they were also physically harming themselves to achieve relief. Look, how many teenagers right now even struggle with that and that alone? That they think they can cause physical harm to themselves and with them cutting themselves that the relief of the burden that they're feeling somehow escapes them. You see, that was happening then too. And then it says that they were also doing anything they could to stimulate the mind and to stimulate the emotions. But you see, the problem is, is all of this stuff that these false teachers were conjuring up, it was all stuff that they were getting from cults and false religions. They were trying to manufacture a movement to try to mess with the emotions of people so that they could feel better about themselves. So we gotta ask the question, on the outside, everything looked good. On the outside, it looked like they were trying to do the right things. But ultimately, what they were trying to do was serve themselves. So you say, well, how, can the world, how in the world can I relate to that? How many times have we made deals with God? How many times have we said, God, I will do this if you do this. God, I will deny my flesh of this only if you will do this for me. I think if we were honest around the room, we've all done some sort of that before. We wanna hold God hostage until God performs the way we want God to perform. Something is cheesy. I even think back when I was in middle school. I'd be out in the driveway playing basketball. You know, in middle school, you have all kinds of crushes. Your crushes change every week. And so I remember I would come up to the free throw line in the driveway and I would say, okay, God, if I make five in a row, I'm gonna ask so-and-so to be my girlfriend. I'd get to number four. God, if I make five in a row, I'm gonna ask so-and-so. And, and, and so what I was doing was I was gonna stay put until God gave me exactly the answer that I wanted. 
I was gonna keep doing exactly what I wanted to do in order for God until he performed the way that I wanted him to perform. How many times does our prayer life sound just like that? God, I will do this only if you do that. Because you see where that goes missing is on the outside, it looks like we're sacrificing something for the Lord. It looks like we're serving the Lord. But when you get down to the root of the issue, what you have to realize is you're not serving anything but yourself. You can say, well, I'm denying my flesh. You're denying your flesh in order to get something. That's not how God works. Here's the question I wanna ask all of us. If God never did anything else for you from this day moving forward, was salvation enough? If you never, if your job never went the way you wanted it to before, anymore, anymore moving forward, if you never find the, the person of your dreams, if this never goes the way that you want it to go and you are saved by the grace of God, is that enough for you to still serve him? And I can't answer that for you. There's days that I feel like I could say that, but there's also days that I feel like I can't say that. No, God, it'd be a lot easier if you'd do this for me. But you see, that's exactly what the false teachers were doing as they were trying to manipulate a movement that was not led by the Holy Spirit, but that was only led by the emotion of man. And Paul tells these new believers, he said, and this is happening because they're not holding fast to the head. The head is Christ. Remember, we talked about that several weeks ago. We are the body of Christ. He is the head. He is the leader. He is the one that we are called to follow. He is the head and these false teachers are not attached to the head. They're not doing that. They're, they're more attached to themselves. And this is that word that you hear about self-abasement and false humility. It appears that they're serving the Lord, but ultimately they're just serving themselves. They're not attached to the head. They were more concerned about their own agenda than they were the agenda of their savior, of God the Father. You know, I know for the last couple of months, maybe you've been visiting for the last couple of months. If you're a type A person, the last two to three months have probably drove you nuts because the Holy Spirit has been leading us. We've not came in here on a Sunday morning with an agenda. The only agenda that we've had is to lift his name up. But I think back over the last couple of months, how many times have I walked up here on stage and literally just laughed and gone, I don't know what to do. How many times have I awkwardly stood on stage and I've looked over at the worship team and I've just gone, I don't know. How many times have people moved in this altar and saved before they're even supposed to move? How many times have people been in this altar before we've even preached a message? For you type A people, that's probably driving you nuts. But can I just encourage you, be thankful that God is moving. We're never gonna be married to a schedule. We're never gonna be married to an outline. If the Holy Spirit says go, we're gonna go. If he says stop, we're gonna stop. 
And we're gonna submit to that lordship because if our agenda is lifted higher than his, God's gonna say, you know what? You want it your way? You can have it your way. You can have it your way. But church, I wanna be a part of something that man can get no credit for. I wanna be a part of something that only God can do. So let us never be confined by our schedule. Let us always submit to the headship of who Jesus is. Let us go where he leads us to go. And I wanna stop right here for just a moment just to kind of mention that, that the head, that Jesus Christ will allow us as a body of believers to walk through different seasons. And here's what I mean by that. When we're submitting to his leadership, when we're submitting to his authority, we're gonna go where he's taking us. And right now where he has taken us is we are in the harvest season. I don't know that I've ever seen so many people step from darkness to light. I don't know that I've ever seen so many people in a three month period go through the baptismal waters. So church, what the harvest is now. We are seeing a season of harvest. And so while we celebrate that, while we get excited about that, what you can't forget is before the harvest, there was a season of planting. There was a season of watering. And then there was a season when God brought forth the increase. And now he's harvesting. And so church, don't hear me wrong when I say this. I'm always gonna pray for the harvest. I'm always gonna be praying for salvation. I'm always gonna be praying for people to step from darkness to light. But here's what I want you to understand. When we're following his leadership, when we're following the headship of who Christ is, he is going to take us through seasons of planting. But what we will try to do, we gotta be very careful because we'll try to do exactly what the false teachers were doing. If God's not performing the way that we want God to perform, then what we begin to do in our fleshly mind is we try to conjure up a movement of God that is not his leadership. And here's what I mean by that. Me and some of the staff were eating at lunch the other day and we were talking about just celebrating what God had been doing of the salvations that we've seen, all that we've been watching and so we tried to trace it back and tried to figure out when it all kind of, the ball got rolling. And we all kind of landed on the Sunday that United Weekend ended. It was the weekend that our students were in host homes. It was a, it was a season, it was a weekend that we saw, I think 20 plus students come to know Christ from this fellowship. But what also was the common denominator of what happened that weekend is that Sunday of United Weekend was the, week, the Sunday that we finished the fast. That was the Sunday that the fast ended. And man, we celebrated that day. We all went eight till we were sick. But what we were talking about at the lunch table that day is where we've gotta be so careful is that if we go a week, if we go two weeks, if we go three weeks, 
and we're not seeing people before our eyes come to make a profession of faith, to trust in Jesus Christ, what our flesh will begin to try to do is go, oh no, has God took his hand off this place? You know what? We need to fast again. We need to fast again because I think if we fast, then God will do this. You see, we're guilty of the very same thing that these false teachers are doing. So I want you to understand that we're not gonna try to conjure up a movement of God because we wanna see him do something that we think he should do. But we're gonna submit to his leadership and don't get me wrong, when he says fast, we're gonna fast. But when he says pray, we're gonna pray. When he says plant, we're gonna plant. When he says water, we're gonna water. And then when he harvests, we're gonna sit back and cheer. We're gonna celebrate. But church, what I want you to hear is that when we're following his leadership, he is going to take us through all different seasons. But we've gotta trust him. We've gotta trust him and we've gotta stay faithful doing what we know that God has called us to do because he is the head. And then Paul kind of closes out chapter two. He says, if you have died with Christ to these elementary principles of the world, remember you've died with him. This is another reminder that what is his is yours. But he's saying, believer, beware, don't be sucked back in to thinking that you can earn God's love. Don't be sucked back into thinking that God's love for you is based off your performance. Believer, beware. You walk in freedom that you now have in him. Walk in the freedom that he has given you. Don't walk in the bondage of trying to earn God's love, thinking you can achieve salvation through that. Because this whole thing is built around this idea of worship, what we've been talking about. So don't think that your worship, that your lifestyle is what is going to earn God's love. Because that's not the case. And that's how Paul ends this, this chapter. He's saying, believer, beware that it is not your worship. It is not your performance. And I couldn't help but be reminded of what he says in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Your salvation has nothing to do with you. It is only by grace through faith that you have been saved. That's it. Not by the rules that you followed, not by the laws that you're listening to. Then he goes on to say, and it's not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Because you know, our culture is very performance-based. And if for one minute we think that we have the power to please God or to satisfy God, we can say, man, you know what? I've read my Bible for two weeks in a row and God loves me more because of it. I've had perfect attendance at church now for two weeks and God loves me more because of it. 
I've even told somebody this week about Jesus. God loves me more. Instead of raising one hand this Sunday, I raised both. So God loves me more. But you see, that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, salvation is by grace through faith and that alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. Your salvation, there's nothing that you can do to brag about it because you didn't do it. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel is the only qualification that we all have to be saved by the grace of God is that we are all broken pieces. And we can all relate to that one. It's not the fact that we've got it together, but it's the fact that we realize we don't. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.